microphony and a phony at the mic. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. I just go with what I do. Incorrect. Wait for it. And I hope you're hungry because the second half of this word is edible. Incredible. Jeff Lutz. Have you ever been nominated for anything of the year? Yeah. What? Man of the year by the NCAA. I didn't win it, but. Oh, my gosh. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Don't touch that guy. Hello again, everybody. It's a Thursday edition of the Bob and Jeff Show, KFH Radio. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, co-hosting Max Power. Is our producer and our engineer, 869-1240, is the hotline. Here's Jeff back from uh, a day of hiatus. Yeah, it was a good day. Must be nice. Full day of hiatus, whatever that means. I'm going to look at something for next week. Uh, Maybe I'll uh, get a day off here. Sure. At some point. You uh, certainly deserve one. Remember last year at this time, I was not on this show. That's right. Dude and I. For a period of several weeks. Dude and I took the reins. And and somehow the show survived. Oh, that was such good radio back then. No, I'll be honest. Oh, it was. It was awful. It was great. Did you enjoy that run? It was fun. Got to hang out with Dude. Get to know uh, dudes a little bit better. How do you get to know him a little bit? How do you get to know Dude? There is no. You can't. It's just uh, dudes is dudes. The way he shows up, that's who he is. There's nothing uh, extraneous about him. Not not much beneath the surface. He's just uh, who he is at all times, and he'll be here tomorrow for the three-man booth. Uh, We broke in a new guest host, uh, Anthony the Big Fella. That's what we're going to call him uh, earlier in the week. No, we're not going to go there. I like that. Uh, I like him just being known as Anthony the Big Fella. Okay. I mean, that's whatever. You good with that? Not really, but I don't know if I'll ever be on the air with him. So I guess well, it's certainly not, you will. I guess it's not up to me. When there will be t- there will be opportunities. You think I'll I'll go to him? I I have my own little treasure trove of, of people. Uh, Dave and Michael Hahn. I, no, we're not using Dave anymore. Why not? He's been good. Who else? That's about it. Jamin, but he'll never say yes. So, well, he, listen, Anthony's uh, going to be on the payroll here. He's a. He, I brought him into the fold. Okay. Well, he better he better uh, pan out then. This is what I keep trying to tell you. I can make calls like this. You've made one. What call? That's it. No, I've made several. What else? Uh, we're going to make picks later, all four games in the divisional round. Plus, we've thrown in a couple of wrinkles, a couple of the over-unders, and then uh, some performance over-unders as yeah. well. And then we're picking the Shocker game tonight at Florida Atlantic. I know the Shockers aren't playing well, and I know they're they're struggling, but 15 and a half points? Is it 14 or 15? Lo- that's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. I don't know which way I'll go with that. Really? I'm not going to give it away right here. This is gamesmanship. That's a lot of points. And the Shockers, while they haven't been playing well, they don't they don't have a bad team. It's not a bad team. It's not a good team. But I don't know, man. It's not really Am I missing something. Not really that close to a good team. That's the problem. They played Memphis. 
to the wire in the first Everybody's half. Everybody's been playing Memphis to the wire, and then they got torched because they can't defend. Well, Memphis made shots. Let's Memphis come on, made man. Open Give me shots. a break. Memphis made every shot. Memphis made uncontested. David Jones, who had two in the first half, had 15 in the first five minutes of the second half because he made every shot imaginable. It wasn't – the Shockers didn't defend well, but when Memphis gets, gets on that kind of a roll, they're unguardable. You can't stop them. They've got too much talent. Quinterly is amazing. Uh, Tomlin and Walton are both very good. Yeah, their roster is, is stacked to the brim with uh, offensive threats. They got guys. But they don't defend, so we'll see how, that fo- we'll how far see. that gets them. We'll see how they do. I like them. Okay. Not stopping you from liking I think them. they're a Final Four potential mm, team. They're not. They, with that defense, they no, can't, they can't better. be. We know Jaquan Walton can play some D. We know uh, Naquan Tomlin can play some D. They just got to buy in. They got to realize – What's attainable for them? I'm not sure their style of play is conducive to guys getting after it on the defensive end. I think they want to run yeah, and just score. Have, well, you're a fan of an NBA team like that. Our defense has gotten better. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. You're terrible defensively. No. Last in the league. No. Well, that's uh, that. I no, you are. You're last in the league. They've we're talking up about twenty seventh, and they're not. And they have gotten a little we're bit better. Talking about the Indiana Pacers, and who, they, for some reason, Jeff's glommed on to. Uh, in the in that uh, you can't explain it, and they just got Pascal Siakam, who will uh, add to that side of the ball. This team is shaping <laughs> up. They might have another move left in them. Do we have Calm an NBA? Do we have an NBA guy on today? No, that's too bad. Uh, no, we don't. Hopefully soon, because I want to figure figure all this stuff out. So they are currently ranked next to last. Defensively, defensively in the league, actually they're last. They give up 123 and a half points per game. Uh, Washington gives up 100. Well, no, Washington's last, 125.3. So they rank 29th. I, I read today they're 27. Well, they're, I'm looking at it. Well, you apparently not. I'm looking at it. They rank uh, just behind the Hawks. The Pistons, the Spurs, it's a who's who of terrible. Uh, Here are the bottom five defensively. The bottom six, Charlotte, San Antonio, Detroit, Atlanta, Indiana, Washington. Uh, Milwaukee only 24th. Now, they have improved slightly, but they got a long way to go. Weren't they blown out by the Cleveland Cavaliers? they lost by 40. Uh, I don't know, man. My man Adrian, come on now. Well, it's not going well for him. Oh, they're good. They they're got a good. good record, but they they're up. They're and the down. same they have been. I mean, they they got rid of their coach basically for no reason. They gave Pacers gave it one seventeen to the Nuggets, one eight one oh eight to the Hawks, one oh four to the Wizards. They beat the Celtics one thirty. You know, they've been fine. One eighteen. Well, they're to the second. Celtics. They're second from the bottom in team defense. That's all I'm pointing out. I'm not trying to start a fight defense. with you. But well, part of that is the way they play. Well, I, I, I don't know what that is. They're, they're not very good defensively. That's all, that's all I got. They have gotten better, and they will continue to get better. I don't know about that. I'm telling you. I watched them. They're, uh, they rank third, second to last. They're 28th in opponent's field goal percentage. Uh well, what are they in field goal percentage first? They're not very good. And just accept it. 
There's nothing to accept. I mean, I hate to burst your bubble every day on this show, but let's be honest. Let's not try to trick our listeners. Well, I watch the team, and they have well, improved. I'm looking at their numbers. Okay, that's great. That was A lot of that was because they've played games in the 150s against the Hawks. Uh, it's, it's just the style of play, and they have gotten better. Let's move on. Well, I'll be, I'll be glad to move on when I'm ready to move on. No, yeah, that's fine. We started talking about the Shockers. It evolved into Memphis. Uh, Shockers tonight playing a Final Four team from last year on the road. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Uh, Florida Atlantic has been hard to predict. Uh, they, they've lost some games you would never have imagined them losing. But here they are. Florida Gulf Coast, yeah, they've lost some games, but they also beat Arizona. and. Yeah, but everybody's beating Arizona now. I don't know. Well, I mean, they, they beat Virginia Tech, I believe. They have Virginia some, Tech? Uh, I got three guys in the neighborhood that'll beat them. Well, then suit them up. Maybe they can get some NIL cash. They're three and one in the conference, thirteen and four overall. They have a loss to Bryant, a loss to Illinois, a loss to Florida Gulf Coast, a loss to Charlotte. They beat Tulane by one on the road, uh, and they beat uh, in their most recent game. They beat UAB by thirteen. So. We'll see what they have tonight. It's probably a little different for them. 15 and a half points is a lot of points. Last year, they could basically roll out the ball in conference play. And I realize that Charlotte was in their conference and uh, some of those other teams. But this, this conference is a little more is a little more difficult. A little. Maybe a little. A little. Well, it's got uh, Memphis. Yeah, it's got Memphis. Who else does it have that makes it more difficult? I don't know. Is Tulane better than whoever, the, like, the no. fourth best team? in North Texas was in that conference. Well, maybe it's, as, maybe it's not as good. I don't know. Who cares? Well, again, I just, listen, here's what I expect from you because you're my son. I can let Duda get away well, with. Well, Memphis, you just said that. You just said they're a Final Four team. Hold on here. I can let Duda get away with nonsense. It, it rolls off but my you didn't, back. But you I, didn't prove anybody it wrong. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean anything because it doesn't affect me. Uh, the big fella who was flawless the other day, uh, even if he were to make a mistake, you know, it, it's okay. I didn't make any mistakes. But when you make a mistake, it affects the Lutz name. No, it doesn't. And you need to get over that way of thinking. No one cares. No one connects the two of us. It's what do you mean good. no one connects the they two of us? What I, what I say has no reflection on you whatsoever. I'm a grown, very, very grown old man, basically, at this stage. What's it like having a father when you're 41, uh, a father who maybe is— Hasn't uh, let go of either of our youths? What does that mean? <laughs> that's, a, that's, the most, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard How you is say. That horrible? You wish you were young? You kind of— Treat me like I'm young. Well, you are still young. Not really. Let me try to think back to my dad. Uh, he basically let go when I was 18. There you go. And just, you know, we kind of... We That's how parenting should go. checked in from time to time. Yeah, you let them figure it out. Uh, I had an interesting childhood. I'll just leave it at that. Didn't we all? Did you have one? Yours was so good. It was? Oh, you got everything you wanted. 
I did. Both parents uh, bent over backward to make your life easy and better. Yeah, but it was inherently difficult because of circumstances. But because yeah. of the divorce? The divorce, the move, everything. Well, the move didn't happen until you were nine. Yeah, that's pretty formative. That, that, that was difficult for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll course. get into that at our therapy session next Wednesday. We'll Looking talk about it to then. It. Huh? Looking forward to it. <laughs> Would you like to have a therapy session? Not really. With I think. Me? With me? No. Can you uh, imagine? That's, that's not necessary. But can you imagine what really, that would look like? It would be. It would be. It would be. I don't think it would be helpful. Here's what we do have on the show today that will be helpful to our listeners. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. He'll check in at 2:25. We'll talk some college football with Dennis. He's been covering it for a long time. Blair Kirkhoff. From the Kansas City Star, another longtime journalist. These guys uh, were once at the same paper, the Star, back in the day. Uh, So Blair Kirkhoff will join us at 245. And then at uh, 325 today, we'll make picks. We've got got a lot of picks to make. How many did, did we come up with? I think nine. Yeah, something like that. We got nine things we're going to pick. I expanded my lead slightly last week. Uh, you're still in the mix. Well, we're, we're getting down to it. Uh, Max is still in the mix, and Duda yesterday conceded. I heard that. Finally. You think he means it? Yeah, he means it. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. <laughs> he's been out of this thing for weeks, and he's just now conceding. Well, he had a run. He did have a run. Yeah, but look at what it got him. After Thanksgiving. Didn't ever climb out of the cellar. And, you know, we talked about uh, about if we had actually put $100 on all the games. I didn't understand picked. that math. Well, do it. You, you do it. Well, I don't have the picks up. It's, it's pretty easy math. I don't get it because you, like, subtracted extra money, and I didn't understand that. Well, you, you got to pay juice when you, when you pick and lose. I don't know what that is. It's a percentage of the pick, 10%. It is? Yeah. Is that a thing? Sure it is. <laughs> it How is? do you think Vegas makes money? Because everybody loses. No, they don't all lose. A lot of people win. But when you add, when you add up the juice that it takes when you lose, then Vegas makes a ton of money off that. So let's look at, uh, look at your picks. This is the same as mine. You've been right 89 times. At $100 each, that's $8,900, right? Yeah. You've been wrong 79 times. At $100 each, that's $7,900, right? Sure. So you're up 1000 On those 79 losses, you, play, you pay $10 uh, in juice. That's $790. I like this term. So you're up $210. That's pretty good. It is? For as many games as we bet. And for his, you know, 89 and 79. Yeah, but. Pretty good. So Duda, 82. He's got 82 wins. That's $820. Eight, 86 losses. That's $860. He's down $40. You can live with that. But you add the juice, $10 per loss, 860 He's suddenly down $900. Not good, Juice. Um, but here's the thing. You wouldn't be betting uh, the same amount. We don't even do that in our picks. 
We bet one through eight. So if I said, you know, I don't, I do to send something here that I agree with. Oh, how can you be our spokesperson? What do you mean? FanDuel. Because I don't and lose. Not know that there's juice. Because I don't lose on FanDuel. <laughs> and you won't lose on FanDuel what? if you no, sign up no, with I, the promo code Lutz. <laughs> you ought to make it the promo code Juice. Maybe so you'd you'd finally know what it is. Never heard. I mean, of, anybody never heard who's of ever juice. laid down a bet. So when I lose on FanDuel, they take an extra ten sure percent. Yes. Good grief. That's awful. I don't think that's true. <laughs> you sound. Don't do that, Jeff. <laughs> you sound like a moron when you do I this. I don't think that's true. Can we get a gambling expert to call? I mean, Duda just texted us both. He texted OMG, me, Jeff. Well, that's not very nice. I mean, I, I I don't know what to tell you. I never in a million years anticipated this discussion. <laughs> I've never heard of it. You had to at some point think to yourself, wonder why they're building all these amazing casinos in Las Vegas. Because you split the line down the middle, and a lot of people lose. A lot of people lose at the tables. A lot. Of, I mean, of course. You have to be kidding. But how much do you think I would be up if I if my one translated? You're 10% juice on every bet. On every bet? Yes. Even if I win. Right. So it looks it doesn't sound like I'm doing well. You're doing horribly. But what if I put eight hundred on my eight point picks? I bet I'd be up a lot more. I don't know. You're a lost cause, my friend. I wonder how many You you you're not a man of the world. Try You know, I think uh I think when I when I raised you, I raised you to be a man of the world. I'm not the man of some worlds. Now, I'm talking about the world. There's only one world. But there are worlds within the world. So when somebody may have asked me when you were two or three, and they you know, it may have gotten this question, what are you raising Jeff to be? My, my answer, I'm sure, was I want, him, I want him to be a man of the world. I want him to understand uh, the things we all understand. But has my life been negatively affected in any way? By my ignorance over juice. No, ignorance is bliss. Right, no effect. So, right, and that can be the case for all of it, all ignorance. That doesn't mean you accept but it. But does it, does, is my life now better? Because I know yes. what, yes. How? Because you've been educated. What does that mean? That means that nothing. It may not have any true effect on your life per se, but at least now the next time somebody says, you know, you're paying juice on that. You won't be, what, what's juice? I don't know that. Yeah, I'll be saying that's dumb. My goodness. Time for a break. That's what we call first and 20. We get the ball. We, we have a 10-yard penalty, and we try to make it up with that first segment. Well, I answer. went to the house. We didn't get it. We're punting. <laughs> Dennis Dodd will join us from CBS Sports next. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Joined by Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com, national college football writer. Now, Max has teased this as you have some news, Dennis. What uh, uh, what news yeah, do you have? 
this is breaking. Um, the uh, I've met, I can't recall this ever happening. The federal government, the Department of Justice, has joined a uh, a lawsuit against the NCAA uh, that would basically uh, free any players to transfer anytime, anywhere, any place. Uh, there, yeah. there was a, wow. the attorney general, the attorney generals in seven states had filed a lawsuit and it became a temporary injunction, which allows players to transfer in any sport without restriction for the rest of this semester. But the federal government, gets, it's basically a fair labor practice from the Biden administration, but it is the Department of Justice. And it is significant. I, I, I think we have to start thinking about if this current model stays intact, there will never be any restrictions against transferring ever again. Well, that brings <laughs> an old brain like mine can't handle all the questions right. that have Me come either. into it. Me either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I guess the most simple question is, uh, is there any chance that holds up? And you just mentioned it, the havoc and chaos that we already are seeing in college athletics uh, would then obviously have no boundaries. Can it sustain itself in that scenario? I think it can. I mean, I just, I go back to when NIL started, uh, a wise sage named uh, Steve Sarkeesian said, it's like the dinosaurs, you either adapt or die. I mean, we can sit here and complain, not we, but people can sit here and complain about it about it's going to be the ruin of college sports. Well, um, there's one way that there's one way to fix this, Bob. If you want to fix this right now, get with the players, collectively bargain, you know, over working conditions. And as part of those working conditions, what you get in return is, for example, the players have to stay at a school for two years if they're in academically good standing. They have to play in any postseason game if they're healthy. And in return, you know, whatever, payment, whatever, I don't know. But that's what collective bargaining is. You can do it without having a a union. Uh, So if people want a solution to this, there's your solution. Because I think we're way down the line in, you know, trying to hope that the NCAA fixes this. Because this this was headed that way anyway with what I just told you about the rest of the semester. And now the federal government's joined in. Is this is this too fast? Did all of this happen too fast in college sports with the NIL and the transfer portal? I imagine there's, you know, people still in college uh, playing college sports in Division One that that came in and really weren't thinking about either of these things. NIL never had to probably worry about that, and now we're talking about collective bargaining, lawsuits, and you know things that might be a little no, bit over the head yeah, of some they, of these guys. Did all this happen too fast? No. Look, this started or the. You know, the next iteration of this, the first iteration of this started in, what, 2004 with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit? And think about how simple that was. We all remember this lawsuit. Ed O'Bannon, former UCLA player, was on the cover of EA Sports college basketball game, video game. And he got to thinking, oh, wait a minute. I didn't sign off on that. I should be getting compensated. That's my, that's my image. That's my likeness. I own that. And he went to court over it. The NCAA fought it for years. It was like a 10, gosh, uh, 10, 12-year battle. The NCAA lost in court. Um, you know, and it's been, and that led to NIL. 
I always tell people the pot of money, when the pot of money, unregulated money, if you will, got so big, it was bound to draw the attention of lawyers and billable hours. And that's, that may be crass, but it's true. And so now, you know, the lawyer representing the plaintiffs in one of the most, uh, in, in a lawsuit that could bring down the NCA by as soon as next year, it's called the House versus NCAA. His name is Jeffrey Kessler. And I won't bother you with the details. Just know this. Jeffrey Kessler sued the NFL and created the NFL Players Association. That's the kind of you know, power we're talking about in some of these lawsuits. So the NCA can change or they can be, have it change for them. And this is the next step in that having an outside force change it for them. Talking now with Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com. Before I ask you a question related to football, you were formerly at the Kansas City Star back in what? What years, Dennis? Were you at the Star? Eighty-one to eighty-nine. Yeah, my formative years. Or call it well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you've already answered my question. I was going to ask if there was a time when you, Whitlock, Posnanski, Passan, and Kirkoff were there at the same time. So you came a little before a few of those people. Yeah, no, uh, Tom Chattel, who you know, and I left in 89 to go to the late, great St. Louis Sun. It lasted exactly nine months. Um, <laughs> April 25th, 2010, I think it's when it folded. It was terrible. Uh, but then uh, Blair Kirkhoff and Jeff Flanagan were brought in uh, to, to, you know, to replace, I don't want to say replace us, but, you know, to replace those positions. Blair is still there. In the uh, Missouri Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, well-deserved. Jeff Flanagan, I don't know. He covered the Royals for years at the Star. And so, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's part of my legacy. Uh, those, those guys have done much greater things than, uh, than I have. Uh, don't sell yourself short. So here's my, <laughs> here's my football question. We've seen kind of a, 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 an exchange of coaches, kind of a musical chairs. Uh, we've seen Kalen DeBoer go to Alabama. We've seen Jed Fish go from um, Arizona to Washington. Uh, why is, and I, and I think I know the answer to this, but why is Washington a better job than Arizona? I know oh, they just is. played the uh, national yeah, championship game. It's a, it's, it's, it's a much better job. More resources. Uh, you know, you go by living alumni, whatever that means, is a lot more of those. And I always use the differentiator. Um, it's won a national championship in football. So it, it, no True. matter how many years ago that was, there's that standard. We have won it. We can win it again. And obviously this year, Washington was 60 minutes away, didn't get there, lost to Michigan. But it's, it's, it's a state university. Um, uh, Arizona shares resources with Arizona State in that state. In fact, I think one of state. I'm not sure. I think Arizona State's a land grant, but I'm not sure in that state. And, and Washington does, too, um, with Washington State and others. But it's uh, – no, it's it's got a much better – much bigger, I would say, football history than maybe Arizona. Yeah. Have you ever uh, said something that you wish you could have back immediately? Every day. When we were writers, <laughs> we could just, you know, backspace. You can't do yeah. that as, as uh, broadcasters. No, those those tweets live forever. You know, you can you can you can delete them, but they live. Yeah. 
No, I was going to ask you about Kalen DeBoer and, you know, when he got the Alabama job, I and probably a, a lot of other people thought about the, the geography and he's been mostly on the West Coast and, and now he's going to the SEC and will he be able to adapt? Was that ever a valid way of thinking and, and is it outdated now with, with NIL and, and particularly the transfer portal where you can basically get guys from anywhere, anytime? Well, um, uh, say the question again. I, you broke up a little bit. Go ahead. Does does the geography of of, of a coach moving from the West Coast uh, to oh. the SEC is that is that uh, is that a valid concern? Oh, in terms of uh, winning at Alabama. Well, look. I, yeah, and I, and and being yeah. able to recruit there and and having yeah. roots and everything like that. Well, that's certainly a concern, isn't it? It has to be. Big picture, though, I think. Two things are true, and I wrote this last week. Alabama absolutely got his guy, got their guy. He was the best name left on the board, 25-3 and at two years of Washington, three national championships in NAIA, all this, uh, you know, great staff. This is also true. Does Caitlin DeBoer know what he's getting into? And that's what you're talking about, recruiting, coaching, being able to build an offensive and defensive line that could compete in that league, which is really where this whole thing starts. If you can't man up there, you can't compete. And now we see that Alabama has lost 27 players, 20 trance, 20 into the portal, including two freshman All-Americans and seven players to be committed. And I don't have to tell you how good Alabama's recruiting class is. I guess some of that was, was expected. But this is a symptom of something that's never happened before. Um, the best coach ever retiring, and as we just mentioned, unfettered player freedom. They can go whenever, wherever they want. That's, those two things have never happened together before. So if you put them together, I guess I'm not surprised that it happened at Alabama. Talking with Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, their lead college baseball or college football writer. So you recently wrote about what happens at Michigan if Jim Harbaugh leaves. He's certainly interviewing for some NFL jobs. Uh, it seems to me Sharon Moore, uh, who kind of had a, a test uh, while Harbaugh was suspended, would certainly be a top candidate. You wrote that. But do you think yeah. he would be the guy, and do you think Harbaugh ultimately will leave Michigan? As we sit here right now, I think he'd be the guy that they would elevate Given what's happening around college football, when you have a guy in-house, it's really the only way you can go right now. I mean, I, I put the possibilities in there, but, you know, the number two guy is Brian Kelly. Would Brian Kelly go? He might. But I think you give Sharon more because he's been there, I'm going to say six years now, because he shepherded the program through turbulent times self-inflicted by Jim Harbaugh with the, all those suspensions. He was 4-0 as a game-day acting coach, and it's a darn good offensive coordinator and recruiter. Now, the downside is, and he's, pro and he's from Derby. That's probably why you're asking. You know that. Um, he's from Derby. Exactly. From Butler. Yeah, he went to Butler, recalls it uh, fondly. I talked to him at the Rose Bowl. Zach played with Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, a bunch of other guys, and, and seems competent. Um, but, again, at that level, having never been a head coach, eh, there's a learning curve. And I'm, I'm sure there's people at Michigan that 
that won an established coach. But at this point, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to get Brian Kelly. Um, I don't know if you're going to get some of those other guys. So he's about the best option. I, I don't say he's a fallback because I think they, they would elevate him right away. Now, your second question about Jim Harbaugh, let me flip a coin. <laughs> That's right. a day-to-day proposition with him. At the same time, he's, we know he's interviewed with at least two teams. He is negotiating a nine-figure deal at Michigan. So, I mean, somebody tell me. I'm not sure. I try, I try to find out. But I think only in his mind, maybe his wife, uh, he knows what he's going to do. So, Dennis, if I put $100 on one of the Kansas schools winning the Big 12 – Next year, I know we're way way far off from that. Yeah, uh, and a hundred and a hundred dollars on a team not in the Big Twelve this past season. So I guess that would be Utah or Arizona, most likely uh, winning the Big Twelve. Which one do you think is more likely to pay off? Well, this is one of my favorite off-season stories because I think it's fascinating. Look, somebody has to win the Big Twelve, right? And in a twelve-team playoff that winner is probably going to be in the playoffs and done something it's never done before, play for a national championship. Within the 12-team structure, I get that. But if you're Arizona, even even with the, you know, the new coach, because they're going to apparently keep their best receiver and, and quarterback. That gives them a fighting chance. Kansas State, even Kansas, um, you know, Utah, whoever emerges, they're going to be doing something they've never done before, because eleven and two in the Big Twelve is going to get you in the playoffs. You know, it's at least the top five, and maybe the top six ranked conference champions are going to be automatic. That hasn't been decided yet. So I think that's the big picture here, instead of either or. That the Big Twelve is is assured of having um, well, TCU played two years ago, is assured of having almost an unprecedented champion and and look at the championship final question for dennis Stodd from cbssports.com so every job that comes open uh, chris Kleiman and lance leipold seem to be mentioned for they always say i'm not leaving i believe them i think they're veteran coaches who are very happy where they are and as long as those schools continue to perform well i do think they will finish out their coaching careers at their respective schools. Uh, do you buy that? I, I do, unless something goes south, which it doesn't look like it is. Um, they're both at places where they can go eight and four every year, and in good years, again, can compete for the playoff now, now that it's expanded. Uh, they're getting paid handsomely now. You know, Lance Leopold, every time his name comes up, he gets a, he gets a raise, and, and good for him and his agent. Um, so his, you know, go to, I don't know what his, his name's been attached to really everything Lance has and, and probably Chris, um, think about that. They, they are, you know, beyond Lawrence and, um, Manhattan, they're thought of as two of the best coaches in the country. And I don't disagree, but there are places where they're not going to throw a brick through your window if you go five and seven or harass you on social media or get after your kids in school. And we've seen all this, guys. We've seen this throughout the country. So why not be at a place, especially at Kansas, where they're going to build a statue of Lance Leopold if he goes eight and four the rest of his career. You know that. Um, there's already a statue at Kansas State. And Chris Klein 
living up to Bill Snyder's legacy tremendously. So I think that's it. I mean, I think in this day and age where you still have to figure out, again, NIL, transfer portal, pay-for-play on a daily basis, you know, the, no, the known evil at where you are is better than trying to do it somewhere else. And I think, and I, look, I haven't talked to them about that, but I think that's where their heads are at. Uh, but I think the, the fan bases for both should be absolutely giddy because this is a new age because I think these guys are going to be around a long time. I think they're going to compete for championships. Uh, quick note, they absolutely uh, are really good friends with each other. I know Wildcats and Jayhawks don't want to hear that, but they, they're doing an NIL thing, I think in March here in Kansas City, where you can buy tickets for $5,000 and eat at a really fancy steak place. To, to And the money will be split between the two collectives at the school. I've never heard of that happening either. That's kind of cool. No. All right. I appreciate your time. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. And just forget about that Arizona-Washington question, if you don't mind. That's all right. No, that's all right. We don't, you know, we don't get out on the West Coast. But they, Don James, Don James has, may have as big a coaching tree or bigger than Nick Saban. All right, and quit, you talk stop, about please. Gary Pinkle. Nick Saban himself goes back to Don James. That was his coach at Toledo. So, no, that, yeah, Washington definitely better. Thank you, Dennis. We'll talk to you soon, All okay? Man. All right, see ya. Dennis, Dennis Stodd, CBSSports.com. I didn't phrase that question exactly. Eh. It was a poorly phrased question. Where were you going but, with it? But I, I view Arizona as a potential giant. Yeah, but and Washington is. I know. Has been. I understand that. I don't need you to tell me. Well, you needed I'll somebody. I'll knock that hat off your head. I'll, I'll be nice to Dennis Dodd about it, but with you. Bring it. I'll bring it. You know what? One of these days I will bring it. <laughs> You're only getting older, so good luck. Blair Kirkhoff is our guest. <laughs> Maybe not. Is Blair with us, Max? He's speechless. I am. Hey, guys. Hey, sorry about that. I, uh, I'm usually only ignored by my wife, so I was surprised not to get an answer there, Blair. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's dig into the Chiefs. They're on the road against Buffalo. I haven't checked the weather forecast for Buffalo uh, today yet, but I'm presuming it's going to be really cold. Uh, the Chiefs performed very well in a really cold uh, weather situation in Kansas City over the weekend to beat Miami. Uh, this is uh this shapes up as such an interesting game. Uh, these two teams are kind of becoming known for these playoff matchups, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. And as for the weather, it's supposed to be clear uh, and cold on Sunday. It's snowing there today. They're having more issues with snow up, up that way. And um, uh, I'm hoping there won't be any problems getting into Buffalo over the weekend. But for the game itself, um, no snow expected for the game, and uh, like 20, 24 degrees, I think, at, at kickoff, which is balmy compared to what happened here on, on Saturday night. And, yeah, so third playoff meeting between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the first one that will be in Buffalo, and um, uh, and it will break the tie between those two quarterbacks. They're 3-3 three to three in their head-to-head series. I, I try to make the point in the story today that, I think this is the best quarterback rivalry currently in the NFL and has a chance to stand with uh, the best of all time if these guys continue to track the way they have been. I agree with that. 
Um, so Patrick Mahomes first time on the road in the playoffs and it's not like he's going to Houston and or playing inside. He's going to a very, very, maybe the most hostile environment. I, I mean, he's Patrick Mahomes, but is there, does that matter that he's going on the road for the first time just because it is the first time and he's never experienced it? It, it, it matters as a storyline this week. And, uh, I, I think if the Chiefs lose on Sunday, it won't be because of where the game was played. It would be because Buffalo was the better team that day, just as they've been the last three times they've met in the regular season. Buffalo has come to Arrowhead uh, three times since 2020 and have, have walked out of Arrowhead a tough place to win with a victory. So that's um, I think that'll make the difference. Mahomes, I haven't looked at. I saw someone tweet this earlier this week, and I haven't, I haven't verified it. But I think Mahomes has uh, the same record, if not the same, within a game or two record at on the road as he does at home. In, in terms of, well, it's only been regular season games, of course, because as you were saying, this is his first playoff game away from. It's not either a neutral side or at home. Um, so the, he's performed well on the road. Chiefs certainly have performed well on the road under Andy Reid and. And, and I'll, I'll push back a little bit on the idea that it's the first road game. They did play the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Super Bowl in Tampa Stadium. Yeah, so, true. And, but, but the NFL does acknowledge that as a, as a home or a road game for one of the teams. It's a neutral site. And it was the COVID year, so there were only about 25,000 people in the stands anyway. So um, uh, people, this is the first, first time he's played in a, a, a road environment anything like uh, you know what we expect road environments to be. Blair Kirkhoff is our guest from the Kansas City Star. We're talking Chiefs Buffalo coming up Sunday, 5.30 kickoff. You can hear it on our sister station, KNSS, uh, with Mitch Holtis. Uh, so how much do we trust the Chiefs? They were, they were good against Miami. Their defense was very, very good. Uh, how much do we trust this team now, uh, given their ups and downs during the regular season? Yeah, they had plenty of them. Um, the thing that I take from the Chiefs in recent weeks, and I'll, I'll use the last game of the regular season where the starters play, so not the Chargers game in week 18, but the Bengals game at Arrowhead the week before that, and then the Dolphins playoff game as – signs that things are back on track as much as they can be with this roster. Um, they, you know, they, they won both games comfortably and uh, they had to kick a lot of field goals. Their red zone offense uh, is not you know, scoring touchdowns and that's a problem. It's great to have Harrison Butker on your team and he, he's made a million field goals this year and he's, um, he's only missed a couple. So, all that's great. Uh, that, that's the thing that gives me a little reason to pause is they don't seem to be getting touchdowns or settling for field goals. You absolutely can't do that against Buffalo. I just don't see that happening. But at least they, you know, at least in those two games, um, they didn't kill themselves with penalties, with uh, turnovers, and uh, drop passes, which has kind of kind of defined the team through its midseason malaise. You know that. When you look at any of the losses, including the one to Buffalo and the Eagles to the, you know, on Christmas Day to the Raiders, which was an embarrassing loss, all those things occurred and, and conspired against the Chiefs. And 
Um, and, and that didn't happen in the last two games that the starters have played. So they've got that going for them, and that, that's a good thing. Of course, both of those games are in Kansas City, and Buffalo will be a, definitely a different um, snowball-throwing environment for, for them. And the defense has just been so good all year, seems to get better by the game. I'm, it, it's just for those who are used to watching the Chiefs put up points in, you know, by the truckload and, and, uh, and watching Patrick Mahomes pile up the stats, this isn't that team. It doesn't happen. You know, good sign is Rashid Rice, the, wide, the rookie wide receiver, has played his best ball here lately. And, um, and, and, but, but is that going to be enough to, for the Chiefs to put, you know, 20, 24, 27 points on the board, uh, which, I, which is what I think they're going to need to win on Sunday? I was going to ask you about Rasheed Rice and how sustainable, how real you think his, his recent uh, emergence has been and how that might shape how uh, the Chiefs build their roster in the in the near future. Yeah, that's a good question. Build their I, offense. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that um, his, you know, that he caught eight passes for 130 yards in the, in the terrible conditions on Saturday night, which – you know, his best game as a pro, so that's that's a great sign, and uh, I, I think he's a star, a future star in the NFL. And Chiefs made a wise decision with him in the in the draft last year. He's gotten better throughout the year, but he really is the only reliable wide receiver target, maybe the the one that Mahomes trusts the most at this point. And and they're going to have to build on that, I think, going forward. They're either going to have to draft or sign in free agency a, a top-notch wide receiver go along with Rashi Rice. And I think if the Chiefs do that, if they get a, you know, a 1A or a 1B, you know, a 1 or a 1A um, alpha dog type of wide receiver, that'll help Travis, Travis Kelsey. Um, we all assume he'll be back next year. His numbers were down a little bit from previous years, but teams could deploy to double team and, and really bother Kelsey in a way that that hasn't happened in recent years. I think with a you know a, another top receiving threat, it'll open things up for Kelsey uh, next season, and, uh, and 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 the Chiefs' offense won't be settling for field goals the way they did this year. A couple uh, moments here left with Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Blair, we've both been around a long time. I don't know that I've ever witnessed uh, more optimism and happiness amongst KU and K-State fans pertaining to both of their programs, Jerome Tang and, uh, and uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, of course, Bill Self and Lance Leipold at Kansas. Uh, this is unusual, unprecedented. Do you agree? Uncharted waters. Yep. There, there really is, hasn't been a time quite like this where all four of those teams, those programs, um, to me, the expectation is bowl game in football and NCAA tournament in basketball. Um, and I, I just don't remember. I'm, I'm sure – I can't say I'm sure, but I assume it's happened once or twice in, you know, in the history of, of those schools. But I, but I don't ever recall expecting it to happen the way I seem to expect it to happen now because of the coaches – and the leader, the coaches of those programs, and the leadership at those schools, and um, it really is a, it really is a good time to be a fan of K State and KU and their major sports. And heck, throwing women's basketball at K State right now, the way that uh, the, that team is rolling. So yeah, that's these amazing are too. Times and uh, it comes in a, it comes at this odd time in conference realignment history, right? With 
you know, the Big 12 surviving and, and looking great, and I can't wait till next football season. Should be very competitive, and KU and K-State should be picked to finish certainly in the upper division and have a chance to win it. But but are they going to be seen eventually as a you know an inferior league to the SEC and, and the Big Ten? I, I don't know about that. I, I I think that's one of the questions I find myself at, I find myself asking as we you know as we you know but in between seasons here in football is what what's the future of the Big Twelve going to be and how is it going to be viewed nationally in in what seems to be a, a two conference landscape a major conference landscape in college sports. All interesting stuff. Blair, always good. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, great talking to you guys. Take care. Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. We'll take a break. We've got an hour left. We've got picks coming up uh, with Duda and Max. We'll get to those in uh, the second segment of hour number two. You're listening to Bob and Jeff on KFH. <laughs> 